top story, the arrest of Jesus of Nazareth. There is a mob outside the city gate heading this way. I'm asking you to do something hard, not only to love God and your neighbors, but to love everyone. He's a fake. Don't listen to him. Don't you get it? Jesus risks the lives of all of us. Wouldn't it be better if one man died instead of our entire nation? Are you king of the Jews? That is what you say. We are back live in Jerusalem for the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth. Good morning. We are live over the tomb where Jesus of Nazareth was buried. The tomb had been sealed up to prevent entry, but it is now open and the body is missing. Previously on Top Story Tonight, Jesus. You're looking at live aerial coverage over the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus has just been taken into custody. Judas, the man who sold out Jesus to authorities, led the guards right to him and identified Jesus for the cops by giving him a kiss. So you are the Son of God then? Yes, Caiaphas, I am. We have heard the blasphemy from his own lips. Doesn't he deserve to die? And now, the finale of Top Story Tonight, Jesus. Good morning to you, and welcome to our special global world news coverage of the verdict in the case against Jesus of Nazareth. We're stationed outside the governor's palace here in Jerusalem, as Pontius Pilate has been called in to decide his fate. It is a situation of life or death, Eve. Adam, journalists from around the Roman world as far as Germania have arrived to cover what they are calling the trial of the ages, as a 33-year-old carpenter from Galilee has created a firestorm of controversy. He's charged with treason for declaring himself a king. Here comes the governor now. Jesus has been brought out, and he's quite a sight. Jesus is wearing a luxurious purple robe, Yet his hands are tied, and it looks like he's been severely flogged. What is that on his head? Thorns? Twisted into a sort of crown. There is so much blood, it's hard to tell. Pilate is about to speak. Well, well, well. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Who are you? What have you sacrificed? Silence! Are you king of the Jews? That is what you say. Your own people and chief priests have handed you over to me. What exactly have you done? Where is your kingdom? My kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my servants would have prevented my arrest. But now my kingdom is from another place. Mm -mm. So you are a king then? You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. <laughs> what is truth? Yes. Quiet! I find no basis for a charge against this man. But Governor, he calls himself a king. He tells us it's wrong to pay taxes. He's been stirring up trouble from Galilee down through Judea. He must die. 
The scene is becoming somewhat chaotic. And now, Adam, someone has just arrived with a message for Pilot, which he's reading. Eve, he looks quite concerned. Pilot is pulling Jesus aside to speak with him. Let's see if we can hear. Enough of this nonsense. Where do you come from, Jesus? Why don't you say something? My wife has sent me a message saying I should have nothing to do with you. She had terrible dreams about you last night. She calls you a good man. But don't you realize I have the power to crucify you? You have no power over me, except that given to you from above. The one who handed me over to you is guilty of the greater sin. You realize that it's treason to call yourself king? There is only one king, Caesar. You insist on staying silent, so be it. Pilate appears to be addressing the crowd again. Here is your king. Would you have me crucify your king? Adam, this is quite astonishing to hear so much love for Caesar from a mob in Jerusalem. Indeed. It is customary for me to release one prisoner at the time of Passover. I have Jesus of Nazareth, and I also have in custody the infamous rebel Barabbas, a murderer. Barabbas caused a riot in the city. Should I release Barabbas, a known criminal, or the king of the Jews? You can't be serious. Barabbas is a killer. Jesus has done nothing except injure a few egos. Barabbas it is. Bring me that bowl of water. I wash my hands of this. I take no responsibility for the death of this man. You must see to that yourselves. Let his blood be on us and on our children. They are now dragging Jesus away as it is official. He will be crucified. Adam, I believe that if they go the usual route, Jesus will be forced to carry his own cross from Pilate's Praetorium to the hill of Golgotha. Our live coverage continues after this short break. Once again is Jane Wells, creator of the podcast, with some background about this scene. Pontius Pilate was the fifth governor of Judea after Rome took direct control of the region, including Jerusalem, around 6 AD. What happened was that one of Herod the Great's other sons, not Antipas, who killed John the Baptist, but Herod Archelaus, he'd been allowed to rule Judea after his father died. But Archelaus was even crueler and more corrupt than his father, which is saying something. So Caesar Augustus kicked him out and started putting his own guys in charge. Pilate got the job around 26 AD during the reign of Tiberius, Caesar's adopted son. Here's what you probably didn't know about Pilate. The first century historian Josephus writes about him, but not his role in the crucifixion. Josephus writes that Pilate kept upsetting the Jewish population after he arrived by putting up images of Caesar. Now, these were considered idols by the Jews, graven images. They violated one of the Ten Commandments. 
As Josephus tells it, a group of Jews begged Pilate to remove the images, and when Pilate threatened to kill them, they flung themselves on the ground ready to die. Pilate was so astonished, he removed the images. More recently, in 1961, Pilate's name and title were found etched on a stone in an athletic arena in northern Israel. But in the Gospels, it kind of sounds like Pilate likes Jesus or respects him or fears him, like he didn't really want to kill him. Warren Carter says that is very unlikely. We've got this Christian apologetic, um, which is a very nasty one, um, that has turned sort of Pilate um, into this poor, weak um, little fella who's taken advantage of by the big, bad, nasty Jewish leaders. Uh, and this has been a Christian apologetic that has gone on for millennia. And it's not too many decades ago, in fact, that the Catholic Church renounced the designation of Jewish folks as Christ killers. I mean, that's how deep this, this, this Christian anti-Jewish uh, reading of Pilate has been. Poor, weak, wimpy little guy with his arm twisted up his back by these nasty um, uh, Jewish leaders, and he's forced to crucify the nice Jesus, even though he doesn't really want to. It's a proclamation about Pilate that's announced every Easter, and it's about as wrong as it gets. The vast majority of the early Christians were Jews. But as the gospel spread to the Gentile world and Greece and the area we now call Turkey and eventually to Rome, Pilate increasingly becomes a sympathetic figure. Anti-Semitism rises. At some point, Jews become Christ killers. Now, this is odd for a few reasons. One, only Rome can kill Jesus, and Rome did kill Jesus. But no one calls Romans Christ killers. In fact, the church ends up being headquartered in Rome, so I guess that answers that. Second, Jesus was a Jew. And third, Jesus had to die, right? I mean, the whole point of his existence was to sacrifice himself for our sins. So who kills him is pretty irrelevant. Which brings us back to Governor Pontius Pilate. My wife has sent me a message saying I should have nothing to do with you. She calls you a good man. But don't you realize I have the power to crucify you? Warren Carter paints a very different picture than we see in the Gospels. One he says is based on the way Rome actually operated. You don't get to be a Roman governor of a province by being weak and wimpy. You get to be a governor because you have proven yourself in administrative duties and you've proven yourself in war. And so when Pilate is governor of Judea, he has to exercise Roman power. He's the face of, of Roman power. But it's not in a vacuum. There are the local leaders, the Jerusalem elite, the chief priests, scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, this alliance of local powerful figures. And so they have to do this dance with each other. So when the Jerusalem leaders come to Pilate and say, we want Jesus crucified, Pilate can't say, oh, sure, I'll do that. I've got space in my schedule this afternoon. Yeah, I'll take care of it. Because then he becomes their, their whipping boy. He becomes their emissary. And he's not going to give them that sort of power. 
no Roman governor is going to jump to because some local leaders flick their fingers. So he plays hard to get. I find no basis for a charge against this man. So he plays this game. No, I don't see anything wrong with this guy. Um, But then he goes out and asks the crowd, what should I do? Which is actually a pretty astute move because it gives him a way of polling the crowd. And in the end, Pilate agrees to do it, but he only does it after he's made them beg. He's made them beg to crucify Jesus. He, as governor, has the power of capital punishment, so they've got to ask. He emerges as the winner. He's a strong and astute and skillful governor, and they, they take care of Jesus as a threat to the system. We are back live in Jerusalem for the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth. It is now 9 a.m. on this Friday morning. A severely beaten Jesus has been struggling to carry the heavy cross. Hold on, look there. He's he's fallen. Eve, it appears he is in desperate shape. The Roman guards are forcing another man now to pick up the cross and carry it for Jesus. This as the crowds continue to jeer the Galilean carpenter. They've now taken away the purple robe they put on him as a joke, though Jesus is still wearing the thorns they wrapped around the top of his head as a sort of a crown. I can't recall ever seeing that before at a crucifixion. Nor I. Jesus is passing a group of women now who are sobbing uncontrollably. I believe I see his mother there. Ah, yes. Jesus appears to be trying to say something to them. We're at Jerusalem. Do not weep for me. Cry for yourselves and your children. The day is coming when those without children will be considered lucky. The gods have put an end to that. By the way, Jesus is not the only man being crucified today. He will be joined by two others who have been sentenced to death for robbery. Jesus is now approaching Golgotha the hill of crucifixion. Golgotha, meaning skull in Aramaic, I believe. Yes, that's correct. Now the cross is being laid down on the ground next to the hole in which it will be hoisted. Jesus now forced to lay down on top of the cross. Not really forced. I think he almost seems to be collapsing on it out of exhaustion, Eve. And now, one of the most awful parts of the crucifixion process, the nailing of the hands and feet. The spikes have entered both hands, and with that, the crossbar will be attached to the post and lifted All that's left are the feet. Now, it's a waiting game. But hold on, someone has just arrived. It appears to be someone from Pilate's staff. Our correspondent Cassia is on Golgotha, not far from the cross. Cassia, what can you tell us? Yes, it appears a man sent by Pilate has come here carrying a sign he wants to put over Jesus' head. 
can't quite read it. He is taking one of the ladders here and leaning it against the cross. He's climbing up and, and now he's leaning over Jesus to nail the sign to the cross over his head. I'm, I'm trying to get a closer look. I, I see it now. It says, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. It is written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. I can't imagine what Pilate means by that. A, a joke. Or a jab at the religious authorities. Yes. <laughs> and right on cue, the chief priests are on Facebook Live protesting. I think we can dip in and briefly listen. He is not king of the Jews, okay? The sign should say he claimed to be king of the Jews, but he wasn't the king of the Jews, okay? Eve, most likely Pilate will ignore them as he usually does. Welcome back to live coverage of the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth. It's been approximately three hours since he was nailed to the cross, and not much has changed. There is still a huge crowd here, including Jesus' mother and some of the other women who followed him, along with one of his so-called disciples, a man named John. The Roman guards have been entertaining themselves, playing a game of dice over who will take possession of Jesus' undergarment after dividing up his outerwear. Cassio, what's the latest there? Adam, Eve, it continues to be intense as some bystanders make fun of Jesus. Hey, Jesus, you said you could destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Hey, why not come down off the cross and save yourself, buddy? Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Jesus. The crowd here has been saying things like, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. Father. Wait. Forgive them. For they know not what they do. I believe he just asked God to forgive the people here. Do you do you mean the people killing him? Yes, I think so. But but what about the two men dying with him? Are, are they aware of what's going on? Oh, absolutely. And interestingly, they have different takes on Jesus. Our camera was rolling a short time ago as the men spoke to Jesus. Listen. Jesus, aren't you the Messiah? Why don't you save yourself and us? Why do you speak to him that way? Aren't you afraid of God? We got what we deserve, but this man never did anything wrong. Jesus. Yes. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. I tell you that today you will be with me in paradise. That was, again, just a short while ago as we continue to watch developments. It is now 3 o'clock in the afternoon and our continuing coverage of the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth. And the skies have turned dark. Let's check in with our meteorologist for an explanation. Noah, what can you tell us? Adam, we're due for an eclipse today and it came right on cue. The moon started uh, blocking out the sun about three hours ago at noon and we'll be at full eclipse shortly. Things will get very dark and the temperature will drop. We don't yet have a scientific explanation. A mystery. Noah, thank you. Let's go back to Cassia, who has been at the site of the crucifixion all day. 
doing spectacular work under trying circumstances. Thank you, Eve. I can tell you not much has changed in the last hour or so, though Jesus' breathing does appear more labored. Perhaps it will not be long now. My God. My God. Jesus is trying to say something. Father, why have you forsaken me? Woman, here is your son. John, here is your mother. Jesus is telling his mother that his disciple John will now be her son, <sighs> and she will be John's mother. I am thirsty. This often happens during crucifixion. It appears the guards are soaking a sponge, not in water, in vinegar. Really? They're putting the sponge on the end of a large stick and lifting it to Jesus' <sighs> mouth. Father. Into your hands, I commend my spirit. Appears we're having some sort of an earthquake. Let's just hold on. We must get under the anchor desk, duck and cover. Cassia, what is going on? Uh, it, it is an earthquake. But now a guard has pierced Jesus' side with a spear to make sure he is dead. There is a lot of blood. Wait. There also appears to be water coming out of his body as well, Cassia, and... sorry to interrupt, but we are getting reports that the curtain inside the holiest part of the Jewish temple has been completely ripped from top to bottom. The crowd here is freaking out. Centurion, what is going on? That man was certainly the son of God. <sighs> At least it appears the earthquake is stopping. Thank God. Uh, well, there are quite a few injuries, but the crosses are still standing. Uh, Cassia, what happens next? There are women here, not just his mother, but many women who have followed Jesus throughout his career, including Mary Magdalene. I believe they are going to retrieve the body quickly because of the Sabbath and place it in a brand new tomb nearby. There will be an armed guard at the tomb around the clock to make sure no one tries to steal the body. Cassia, thank you. One of the most incredible stories I've ever covered. Indeed. And so ends our coverage of the death of Jesus of Nazareth, who in three short years became one of the most famous men in Galilee, Samaria and Judea. But his talk of a kingdom greater than anything on earth, greater than Caesar, was his undoing. Whether his fame will outlive him, only time will tell. Thank you for joining us. Good day. It's Jane. So Jesus is dead. His disciples are in hiding, fearing for their own lives. Journalist Charlotte Allen says in her book, The Human Christ, 
that an amazing thing happens. Alan writes that after a few days or weeks, the disciples begin acting in a surprising way. She says they evidenced no shame at having been associated with a convicted felon or fear at having consorted with a known traitor. She says that, in fact, the disciples celebrate Jesus' death because they believe he is alive. They've seen him, and this gives them confidence. They go public, even though it could cost them their lives. Why would they do that? Good morning. We are live over the tomb where Jesus of Nazareth was buried. The tomb had been sealed up to prevent entry, but it is now open. And the body is missing. Guards stationed here claim that they fell asleep, yet somehow the large stone covering the opening of the tomb was rolled away without waking them, which seems impossible. The guards are now being questioned by superiors, but we've heard allegations they're being paid off to claim Jesus' disciples stole his body. A manhunt is now on for Jesus, dead or alive, as local law enforcement fans out. It's me, Mary Magdalene, and and I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to live stream this because I want the world to see what's happened. The tomb is empty. You can see it right over there. It's open. Jesus is missing. Peter, John, over here. What happened? We heard he is gone. Mary, why are you crying? Someone has taken Jesus' body. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and I don't know where they put him. Let me look in there. <laughs> Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you were looking for? Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him. Tell me, I beg you, and I will get him. Mary. You're alive. Mary, put down your phone. But Lord, the whole world can see. Put down your phone. You were dead! Do not hold on to me. I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go. Tell my brothers that I am ascending my Father and your Father. To my God and your God. I must go. I will see you again. Soon. Jesus! The tomb is empty. Did you see that? The tomb He's is alive. empty. He's alive. Who? Jesus. I just saw him. I thought he was the gardener at first, but he revealed himself Mary, to me. Mary, we saw him die. He said to tell you he is ascending to the Father, to God. Woman, what are you talking about? This is crazy. You don't believe me. You don't believe me. You think I'm imagining We have this. to warn the others. If they've taken Jesus, they'll be coming for us. Listen to me! He has risen! Did you see him? Before I put the phone down, I must go tell his mother. We have one more scene before the story ends. Or before it really begins, depending on your point of view. Christianity is officially the largest religion in the world— That alone seems a miracle considering its humble beginnings. The truth is that outside of the Christian Bible, there are only a few surviving references of someone named Jesus. Many would argue he's the most famous man who ever lived. 
and yet there's so little independent record of him. Yeah, no, I, I don't think we should be surprised at all um, that we have very few references to Jesus outside the, the New Testament writings. There's no doubt that he had popular uh, appeal and a popular following, but the whole world was not talking about Jesus and the whole world was not going after Jesus. One historian tried to do a calculation of answering the question, so how many Christians were there in a major city like Antioch by the end of the first century? Now, Antioch was the third largest city in the empire. Um, it had a significant Christian history, supposedly embracing Peter and Paul. He estimates that in a city of perhaps 150,000, there might have been 25 Jesus believers. But the new religion begins to pick up momentum. In the book, SPQR, A History of Ancient Rome, author Mary Beard writes that Christianity spread quickly because Rome opened its empire to trade, which brought with it new ideas. She says, quote, the irony is that the only religion that the Romans ever attempted to eradicate was the one whose success their empire made possible and which grew up entirely within the Roman world. Of course, the story ends with, with resurrection and this claim that um, they could not keep him dead, that even the worst that um, this imperial tyranny can do, which is to eliminate somebody, in the end is not successful. In the end, it has its own day. Why believe it? Well, I can, I can flip it on you and say, why not? I mean, what, what do you lose? Oh, oh my gosh, I, I'm a better person. I'm not a jerk. At least I try not to be. One last time, Neil Saavedra, Warren Carter, and Lisa Fields. There's a thumbprint. You can see it. You can taste it. There's something magical about life that's different than just we're here. Let's party. This care for the other rather than the exploitation or the domination of the other. Um, this is the sort of emphasis that I find most compelling um, in terms of, of Jesus' activity and, and teachings. I always tell people, for me, the hardest thing is not to think that God rose from the dead. The hardest thing if you is to conceive that God created the world out of nothing. If you believe that, then everything else, to me, that's supernatural can happen. It's not a bad option. Everything in the universe has to point outside itself to explain its existence. Everything. The acorn to the tree to the acorn to the tree, us to our parents to our, everything. So it's reasonable to believe that the universe itself has to point outside itself to explain its existence. For me, it's around this vision, a different vision of being human. What do we do to each other? How do we organize our society? How do we organize our lives? Is it all about self-interest? Is it all about domination of others? Is that how we want to live? Well, it's fine if you're the winner, but for most folks who are not winners, this is not a good way uh, to live. To me, there's no other God that's willing to sacrifice so much to repair a relationship that he wasn't even responsible for messing up in the first place. And so that's to me why I believe it, because it is a message of hope, a message of redemption, and a message that I know I need in this world. Good 
evening. We break into our coverage investigating acts of depravity by Tiberius Caesar during his self-imposed exile on Capri with breaking news from Judea. Jesus of Nazareth has reportedly been seen alive. The carpenter-turned-preacher crucified only days ago has been allegedly sighted in several locations near Jerusalem and Galilee. Correspondent Cassia is in Galilee with more. Cassia. Eve, Adam, law enforcement has fanned out in an extensive search as social media exploded with videos showing someone resembling Jesus of Nazareth alive. Ten of his remaining disciples first claim Jesus appeared to them in a room where they were hiding out. But an 11th follower named Thomas was not with them and he doubted their story. However, Thomas brought his phone with him the next night to the hideout and posted this on Snapchat. What are we going to do? The Romans will kill us. Thomas, keep your voice down. Jesus is alive. Peter, you keep saying that. But I saw he him. Is he is. He saw him. That's impossible. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and touch them and put my hand into his side where the sword went, I will not believe it. Peace be with you. <gasps> oh. Thomas. Put your finger here. See? The wound's on my hands. Here's my side where the sword cut me. Come here. Stop doubting. My lord and my god. Thomas, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe even though they haven't seen. You're looking at me like I'm a ghost. Do you have something to eat? A ghost cannot eat food. Here's some fish. Rabboni. There. You see? Adam, Eve, that video has over one million views across the Roman world, and experts are now trying to decipher whether it's real or some sort of deep fake gimmick. How many times have people claimed to see Jesus? Hard to say. There are reports he was walking and talking with a group of men on a road outside Jerusalem. Also, up in Galilee, he allegedly had breakfast with his disciples on the beach. Where do authorities believe he is now? Well, they think he can't be far. Though, hold on. I just got a Twitter alert. Uh, at Peter has just posted a video clip. Let me see if I can turn this to the camera so you can see. Hold on. Okay, let's try this. Um... Cassia, what exactly is happening in that video? It's hard to see. Uh, I, I don't know. The sun is behind a man who appears to be Jesus. He is levitating, rising up. Let me turn up the audio. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of time. Amazing. Cassia, you saw him die, right? I mean, you were right there. I was. How do you explain this? Either it's a hoax or... I don't know. I end with a question I asked in the beginning. If Jesus was here today, how would the media cover him? Imagine a working-class guy who's really smart, who comes out of nowhere, claims to be God, and appears to have the superpowers to prove it.
He hangs out with rejects. He preaches unconditional and universal love. And his message threatens those with power. How would cable news and social media react to that guy? Who would support him? Who would ignore him? Who would fear him? And who would cancel him? And what would you think? Top Story Tonight Jesus was written and produced by me, Jane Wells, along with tremendous support from producers John Lockhart, Robert Purcell, Deborah Vogel, and Justin Warsham, executive producers Jeff Abraham, Dean Chamberlain, and Therese Tucker, and final cut and sound mixing by Candace Goldman. Woohoo! Today's cast includes Heidi Quatt, Gary Hoffman, Tom Flynn, Carolina Keach, Petros Papadakis, Ramona Floyd, Charles Hubble, Justin Warsham, Amari Williams, Tanis Peranto, and everybody was in the mob, including some Kickstarter supporters. And special thank you to Jason Grazel as Jesus. Huge props to Lisa Fields, Neil Saavedra, and Warren Carter. I really enjoyed our discussions. And last, but certainly not least, my final Kickstarter support shoutouts go to Donna Price, Marty Milligan, Justin Warsham, Mandy Drury, Curtis Schultz, Robert Purcell, Dean Chamberlain, and Therese Tucker. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you found it. Share the good news and email me at topstorytonightpodcast at gmail.com with suggestions for future topics. I'm thinking of... Moses, or Esther, or David. 